This is the fourth and the last episode in a podcast series looking at a new comprehensive research by the Media Innovation Center at the Aga Khan University in Nairobi in collaboration with the DW Academy. Focusing on media viability in three East African countries, Kenya, Uganda and Tanzania. I am Dickens Olewe. In this episode, we discuss solutions to solve some of the challenges the media in the region face and how they can run sustainable businesses. I'm joined by Carol Bayanga, Head of Mentorship, Partnership and Monetization at Nation Media Group based in Uganda, and Media Law Lecturer Henry Maina and Tony Kirita, founder of online platforms The Chanzo Initiative. Carol, what is kind of your you know main takeaway from uh, the research that has been done? Uh, my main reaction was fear. <laughs> okay, uh, okay, not fear, but like okay, shock, surprise. I think sometimes we sit in a newsroom and we assume you know okay things maybe have changed and there, but it's not uh, as bad. But when you you look at uh, the different, uh, for example, the, the the report talked about what the audiences were like. Uh, a couple of years ago and what they're like when by the time the report was done it shared about how many people are able to access information and how many can't it shared um you know the the how the, the media especially is struggling um <clears throat> especially the smaller media houses but even the big ones how they're struggling to to keep afloat how they're struggling also to keep in 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 tune with the trends mm-hmm. so i think my yeah my reaction was a shock because i was like oh i don't think we we really know the depth, mm-hmm. uh, the depth and because it is a newsroom and we're just typing stories away and editing and videos and everything so it was a bit of shock but uh, but now also i think i felt knowledgeable a bit more knowledgeable about what uh, is at stake and and what needs to be done. Okay. So that's shock fear knowledgeable Henry what about you? I think for me it uh, reading the report it affirmed some of the things uh, we had been saying before that um the old way of um supporting the media uh is no longer going to be sustainable and and, and new ways uh, must come to the fore. So that that challenge of um, most of the media houses in the region relying largely on government uh, as the biggest advertiser. And whenever government pulls plugs on advertising, um, then the viability of the media uh, outlets becomes quite quite, quite a challenge. The second thing is um, the issue that while we have a very highly um, educated um, core of uh, journalists and media workers, there is still a death of specialization. So that for me was was the biggest shock that um, we seem to have improved standards in terms of journalists entering the market as having a degree, having a diploma, but uh, there is still a death in specialization especially on topics that perhaps may uh, bring in okay. more resources, health, science, environment, and, and, and even foreign relations, as, as it were. So the, the, that was a shock to me. Thank you. And uh, Tony, we, we spoke earlier and you were telling me about your, your startup, which you launched uh, in 2020. And I think one thing you said uh, that stuck with me was that you basically saw an opportunity uh, in the Tanzanian market, that uh, the established 
uh, media were essentially not covering uh, the news. I think you said, you know, they were not, they were absolutely uh, not doing uh, the sort of coverage that you would want to see. And therefore, that's why you uh, you started your startup. So I'm curious, were, they, were you to be offered um, uh, a deal that you cannot refuse and join one of these established uh, news organizations, what would you change? Yeah, uh, thank you for that. <laughs> uh, I think uh, the, the, the thing about uh, uh, when I engage with this established media, there's that, uh, uh, there's like the mentality that things used to be like this. Uh, we are the industry. You know, there is even that tension between the digital here. I think there's that a bit of tension between the digital uh, journalist and, and the traditional journalist, even in the industry, but also even in the some of these newsroom. So I think the one thing that I will, I will change is for the change to be accepted and to understand that uh, How do you go about that? Is to to encourage innovation, uh, to allow new new ideas to flow, and by new ideas, it, it's sometimes uh, is to allow. Uh, I'll say even the way the human resource is packed in this organization, that there has to be a level of dynamism that. Of course, uh, the editors who have been there, they have the essential knowledge, but they also have to accept that they can also learn. And the thing is, there are new uh, uh, creative ways of telling stories that the people who understand them, they are the newcomers, they are the newcomers to the industry. And they actually, they do that, they understand the new ways even to, I'll say, even they, they are the gurus of the new way. So you just have to, to accept that, of course, there is that experience of being in the media for that long time. But then again, uh, there is that practical experience that even somebody who has worked for five years in the media sector can have that experience to take off the media to the next level. So the first is uh, with the human resource to, to have all these talents and to realign the talents, but also uh, uh, there's that, I think that attachment, you know, in Tanzania, they say uh, uh, that the academics, that the, the academics, uh, it has to stay this way. It has to stay this way. Of course, there are ethics of journalism, uh, there they are ways that they cannot be crossed, but there are new ways of telling stories. For example, uh, we, we, there was a, a long debate if uh, a mobile phone is a tool for journalism. You, I mean, for myself, I don't believe that should not, it should be a debate because things have evolved, but, but it's a debate. They don't believe that an iPhone can take a quality picture that can be used uh, for media. So it was a big debate. And then it, it ended up with the Taluma has to be respected, that academics, the intricacies of journalism have to be respected. Yeah, so that's so basically the, the tradition. Yeah. We've always done it this way. Yeah. And therefore, it has to 
to re- to be respected. Yeah. Um, so I, I get I get I get that. Um, that that's really good. And and Carol, let me bring you here. I mean, you were literally working for um, the, you know the region's biggest news organization. How do you um, bring about you know change in the newsrooms? How do you convince people who have done, you know, and delivered actually quite successfully for for decades, and suddenly you now want to kind of uh, bring in a new way of thinking and a new way of working? I think it's 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 proven to be difficult, um, even at uh, national media, at least in Uganda, but I'm sure also my colleagues in Nairobi. Um, it's proven to be a challenge because, like uh, Tony was saying. Um, these people who have worked for so long in the, in the industry and they're respected and they and they've gathered knowledge so they believe they 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 they, they know what they're doing. Um, but I think a number of ways, some at some practical ways that, that can be done is first is to is to show them the the data, the numbers uh, in a way that they can understand. Sometimes I think we bring the data and everything and it's just it's data, it's just numbers. And they are thinking, okay, let's finish this and then go back to doing our work. But if we, we show them the data in a way that makes them understand, in a way that is able to shock them or surprise them, um, either the data that is looking positive, that the more we do these kinds of stories, the better the audiences react to it. Or the more we do these kinds of stories, the less our engagement or you know uh, whatever it is, is, is with the crowd. So I think that if we weren't doing Bringing, giving them data in a way that they can understand and appreciate uh, is, is one. Two is um, by, is having, I've seen this work sometimes, is having editors, especially those who make the decisions, sit in focus groups when these discussions are being had. Because when you hear from your own audience uh, what they like about mm-hmm. you, especially those who have been a part of you maybe and are no longer part of you, or those you think that person should be reading my paper, that person should be watching my bulletin, and they're giving information that they are saying, no, I don't, because you don't, you know, that is a bit sobering rather than it just coming from a research paper and that sort of thing. So I think if they're more involved in such focus groups and such, you know, even, you know, even just maybe sitting in the background and listening or even asking questions themselves, then um, I think that, that their minds can begin to shift a bit and change. And I think overall ha- having, having leaders in the newsroom mm-hmm. who, are, who are wise but firm, in order to, to sort of come up maybe with structures, come up with um, ways in which they believe something after research has been done, after they have discussed and everything to implement. Because sometimes I find we get good information, good research, we agree this should be done, but the implementation is very slow or almost not happening. So sometimes I, I, my feeling is that we need leaders, especially maybe fairly younger leaders, because the older ones will tend to go with the flow that they have been before. But if you have maybe not too young, but a person who sort of appreciates both sides and has good leadership skills to sort of start to reach work that structure, that, you know, taking into mind people's, people's emotions, people, you know, sensitive people, but also understanding that this needs to be done for us to be able to uh, achieve what we are looking at. So I think those are some of the things we need to be looking at in order to do that shift. Yeah. I mean, earlier we were actually talking about, you know, how can uh, newsrooms uh, implement diversity, you know, bring in, uh, new thinking. Uh, Henry, uh, you're a teacher uh, um, and you teach journalism students. Um, I'm curious, you know, talking to the, the young people who want to become journalists, what is their motivation 
of wanting to join the profession and do what do you get as a, you know kind of the the sort of understanding of what the role of journalism is um uh, uh, in the societies in which they live i think it it it's quite a mixed bag um there is a a whole group that gets um into journalism because it is one profession that um promises glamour and uh uh, in, in, in Kenya now, we have what we call media personalities. So something, a profession that would help you to have a big profile. Uh, and, and, and so most of them see themselves as becoming anchors or influencers of, of high repute. But there is also a group that are still just interested in bringing to the fore stories that would ordinarily not feature anywhere. Uh, I, I have a few students who uh, I asked them, why why are you doing this course? And they wanted to go back and work in the local um, vernacular radio stations and, 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 and communicate uh-huh. to their own communities uh, in ways that um, the other legacy media at national level were not doing. Um, but then you have also those who come in because no other course has taken them. So it's always a, a mixed bag. Uh, and then some find... How does that make you feel as a teacher? Uh, there isn't much you can do because that's what society um, has. Uh, as, as a teacher, you have then this uh, onerous responsibility not to treat them as um, one homogeneous mm-hmm. group. Um, there, there are people who would push you a bit on things that perhaps you didn't think you would need to teach. Uh, because they are way behind. There are others who would be way ahead. And if you focus on them alone, then you leave most of your class behind. So it's always a challenging thing. And uh, because I teach media law, uh, which uh, largely has been a course that perhaps is far behind uh, relative to what is happening today. Uh, when, when, when I teach mm-hmm. on some units uh, on how to manage intellectual property, in a digitized world, uh, we don't even have books. Uh, so some some of the courses and arguments we make are new. Um, some students find uh, after their blog uh, or YouTube channel has been blocked, that's when they come back and say, you know, you talked about this, but I wasn't understanding. But then now it applies because they played somebody else's music uh, or um, they did streaming, but they didn't have the the licenses to do so. So it, it's an evolving mm-hmm. uh, area. And um, of course, it calls on the academics also to up the game. Uh, but I wouldn't be like uh, totally agreeing with uh, Tony. It doesn't mean that we have no place for the academics. Having worked in the newsroom myself, uh, I think the biggest challenge is how to make the academics serve the industry and the industry also acknowledge that there is a place for the academy. Otherwise, we keep repeating the same mistakes. If we can't um, put them into our books and learn from them so that we are different. Yeah. Uh, Henry, actually, I I want to come back to you later to to kind of explore uh, another topic we've been discussing uh, in in the um, previous episodes, just about uh, threats the media face, uh, you know, from on the, in the three uh, countries, especially from uh, from governments. Uh, but uh, Tony, to you, and 
I am curious, what pitch do you make to your um, uh, to your audience uh, and also to Tanzanians uh, at large? Why what you do with your startup is so important uh, to the country? Why why would they why should they be concerned if tomorrow you cannot publish? What will they be missing out on? What we've done so far in the, in the Tanzania uh, media industry, I think, is uh, we've found a way to unpack uh, difficult topics and make them uh, to, to the level that anyone, even with uh, just a basic uh, level understand, can understand, can, can, can know what is going on. For example, uh, I'll, I'll just give you an example. Uh, there's a report, the the report for the government auditor that come come out every year. So that report, most of the time, it's a headlines that are, are, are just being rushed. But what we do is we take that report. It's like you take like a 57 page report and you, you put in one or two infographics and the infographic, they, they represent everything that is said there. And that, that type of content will, will be shared in on WhatsApp and everywhere. So with that, the same infographic and this and somebody who has read reports, they will have the same knowledge and understanding of what is going on. So I think that is so by, by far that we've done uh, from the government debts, uh, this uh, to, to budgets. And, and, and some of these issues they've, uh, we've pushed the government to act on some of these issues because of the way we we've unpacked them and make people to engage and actually discuss. So I think that is what has, has actually built our brand in Tanzania. And, and, and that is what is, is continuing to build our brand. We unpack issues and we simplify them to the level that everyone can understand. Yeah. Are, are your competitors copying your style? Yeah, they, they are trying, but they are not there yet. So what we are trying to do is to, to, to build up our muscles as fast as we can. Uh, because we, when, when we were launching, uh, we did a lot of, of research on this and, uh, and we learned. And our, what, what we did is we actually decided that we are going to employ everyone who is, has not been in this industry at all. So we started to learn that we, our videos will be like this, our, our posters will be like this. So everything, our team is, is, is actually learning maybe uh, from other teams outside the country. If it's, a, it's an organization that it, we know it's doing well, we will learn from that. But everything we are doing, we are learning ourselves and building as, as we see. But uh, the essence is that it has to be simplified. Uh, it has to be easy for somebody to understand. But we also take to heart the storytelling aspect. Everything has to have that component of telling stories. So, yeah. Interesting. Um, Carol, uh, to you, um, the challenges of the media uh, in East Africa uh, is facing, uh, as uh, you know, the, the research has found, you know, there are many um, and they're evolving. Uh, some of them are uh, internals, uh, uh, others are external, obviously. Uh, what sort of skills um, would you, uh, as a media leader, be looking for uh, to kind of, you know, uh, run an organization that responds to the challenges and opportunities um, 
that the media uh, today uh, is facing and likely, you know, uh, will face uh, uh, in the future? Um, I think, Dickens, that the, what, what every journalist, everyone in the newsroom needs to understand is that they are writing for an audience and they must understand what this, who this audience is and what this audience wants. So if, as let's say if I was a manager, um, and, and something that I think newsrooms are trying to do, but maybe not doing it enough, or maybe not uh, implementing what they found. But the first thing would be to understand, to really understand our audiences. I think for me that the skills is just to, to put in, um, to put that, what can I say? That drive, that, that need for understanding the audiences and not just to understand it once, we do the research, we move on, but day by day, understanding who's this audience, how have they changed, how have they shifted, what may they be interested in today, but that may change tomorrow. So I think for me, one thing that we really need to understand to get our teams to understand the skill we need to give them is to constantly you know, engage and understand the audiences. Uh, whether that be training, whether that be a constant, you know, checking with the teams every day to sort of say, what is your audience saying? Whatever way we can do it, but that is important because once we understand them, then everything else we do, whether it's skills, tech, tech, tech skills, whether it's uh, changing our kind of writing or that sort of thing will, will make sense. But if we don't understand them, then these things still won't make sense. We'll have the skills, but they're not talking to the people they want to be spoken to. So for me, I, I believe that one of the things is to, is to really understand the audiences and, and what uh, what they mm-hmm. need. And then also to understand the trends. The question about the audiences, uh, can you break down that down to me? What exactly do you mean by, you know, understanding the audiences? What are kind of some of the strategies that uh, you're using at the moment, for example, uh, to do exactly what you're proposing? Okay, so I, I can give an example. Yesterday, our, our audience engagement specialist, um, she's called Saba, she was talking to me and she was saying, Carol, um, the sports, uh, for some reason, people are not reading sports right now. So I said, what do you mean? She said that they're not. Every time I go to check, because we have a, um, a the system that we have, part of the system shows us what the audiences are engaging with, like the sections of the stories. So she said, it's gone down. They're not reading sports stories. They're not, she's like, I don't know why, maybe the sports stories are not engaging. Maybe, but then I, but I thought that's strange because we have really good sports, if I may say so. Our sports writers are quite good and they're quite fast. Mm-hmm. So I wondered what could the problem be? So we tried to think about it. Then I said, I said, ha, ah, the Premier League, <laughs> the Premier League, and you know, ended. And so I said, so Ugandans love, you know, um, the Premier League. Mm-hmm. If local sport does not, it does not get their fancy so much unless it is the, 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 the national team the national football team. Uh, but otherwise, the, our local sports, they are not that interested as, as much. It's just a few people. So, so, so while I did not go into the specifics and drill, my thinking was, I told her, let's drill and find out if it started to go down once the Premier League ended. Because then we might have an idea that, oh, okay, what the thing they love is on hold right now. And until it comes back, they are, you know, they are, they are, they are going to be doing other things. So that's if we feel that, okay, this is why president the Premier League, they are the players on that side, the transfers and things like that. Then we keep giving, we find whatever information is there on the Premier League and we keep giving, whether it's past, you know, like past interesting stories, more information that, you know, whether, whatever it is, but recognize that they want that. That's what they want. They're not maybe as interested, unfortunately, maybe in the local netball team or, you know, that sort of thing. So that's what I meant by engaging the audiences, eh? finding what they truly want or what they're interested in. 
Um, another example, if I can give a quick one, is so right now, of course, things are very expensive. Uh, I'm sure across the, like the, the East African, you know, uh, block. So uh, fuel is up, a uh, number of food uh, price items are up. So that's people are interested in that sort of thing. So uh, so we've reported on it, yes, but I was I was just um, one of the things I was thinking when we talked, when you listen to people around you, what is their problem? What are they saying? Are uh, you know, are they are they trying to figure out have they found ways to manage this, you know, this food crisis or this fuel crisis? What are the things they're doing? So if someone realizes, huh, I can't use my car every day, so I'm going to use it twice a week. Then the other days I use public transport. Then the other day I'll walk from here to here. Those are the things we need to be sort of hearing and say, this is what they're doing. Is it working for them? Can we do a story that other people can tell and say, I mean, that sort of boat. So those are the things, um, Dickens, eh, that I, I, I mm-hmm, feel mm-hmm. we need to understand our audiences. So we're not just telling them the fuel prices up because they know that they've seen it. Uh, the president has said this, they watched him on TV, you know, the, the night before. So what new information can you, what are they talking about? What are they thinking? Eh? Which, which you can tell because they are, they, are tech, they are doing it on their social media. They are doing it, you know, they're talking around you. Your friends are talking about the same issue and how they are managing. Mm-hmm. So that's the story. You sort of say, let's take it and make it a really good story and sort of say, does it work? What are ways you can actually manage this, uh, this crisis right now? So that's what I mean by understanding the audience and then giving them information that works for them or that they relate with. Absolutely. I mean, I, I always say that, you know, as journalists, you know, we should be reporting uh, and, um, you know, we should basically act uh, as if we live in the community we uh, we report about. And, and exactly. that, that exactly. takes listening and engaging. And uh, Henry, to you now, uh, one of the uh, depressing, actually, uh, um, aspects of this uh, uh, research is the threats uh, that... Uh, media organizations and journalists face uh, in the three countries, uh, Kenya, uh, Tanzania, and Uganda. Uh, Now, some of these countries, at least on book, uh, guarantee, uh, you know, freedom of the press or at least some level of protection um, or acknowledgement uh, of, uh, uh, of the media. But then these threats and... Um, and harassments uh, continue. Um, help us find a solution out of this. How can the media uh, on the uh, or in in the region uh, and journalists as well, uh, you know, engage government in in a way that uh, you know basically they can back off so that uh, the media can do what it should do. I think the starting point is um, to have groupings, um, solidarity sessions, whether you are a professional journalist or you are a citizen journalist or just an emerging individual who is interested in that space, there is need for more solidarity. Uh, and, and I use this as a joke. I remember uh, recently engaging with an, one Andrew Mwenda uh, and, and, and he said that States don't attack professional journalists. They attack those who are rogues, those who do not meet the criteria of being journalists. And and so I reversed that discussion, knowing that Article 19, the organization I worked for before, um, defended Andrew Mwenda when he worked in uh, the Monitor. Uh, And and, and it, it occurred to me that sometimes those of us who are in positions of favor, 
uh, denigrate others. Uh, so Andrew Mwenda would today speak like you've not been beaten because you are a journalist, you are beaten because you are a criminal and, and, and justify such beating. So there is need for more solidarity, especially the high ranking editors, media managers uh, with the low level uh, journalists, because we tend to say something has gone wrong when a, an editor, a senior person in the media is arrested, but there is a hush um, when uh, correspondents or other journalists in the countryside are arrested, sometimes murdered um, or beaten up. So solidarity is the first thing within uh, the profession itself. The second thing is understanding uh, the roles of other actors, uh, because there is perhaps inherent in journalism is a, a feeling that you need to be more macho, you need to be more outgoing. So technology would help us to get a closer picture of an errant police officer who's beating up children. Uh, we don't need to be in the face of that officer to take that, that good picture. But some of us are also not aware of our risks and, and therefore endanger ourselves because I've seen situations where uh, journalists are still struggling to get a closer picture of such an officer. And if the officer has gone um, rogue, he's beating up children, what would make the, the, the officer not beat you up as a journalist? So one uh, is solidarity, two is a bit of um, perhaps we need to bring back to the journalism school's curriculum uh, issues of safety and security for journalists as a compulsory thing. Uh, and, and, and three, how do we tamper with exclusive approach to stories to one where we can do it in a group? Because in Kenya, journalists that have been killed, uh, Nyaruri many years ago, he went to interview a security officer by himself. And uh, in what he thought was going to be exclusive because he was sitting having lunch with the rest of his colleagues and he said, I'm just out here only for him to disappear. Uh, that if he had gone with colleagues, mm -hmm. then uh, an officer who was desirous to perhaps harm him would not have had it easy uh, because he was alone. So how do we change approaches from this exclusive ap uh, approach where you go alone? And if it is one media house, because we now have multiple platforms, can you be accompanied by a few more people? Um, the, the last thing is um, establishing functional uh, national safety and protection mechanisms, which would bring together all actors within the criminal justice system. So journalists must begin to speak to police officers, to prosecutors, and to judges, and share the challenges they have. An example is that in Kenya today, we have such a mechanism, and the Office of the Director of Public Prosecutions has established a directorate on media-related crimes. So that begins to enable uh, people to report in good time, and those crimes are then um, prosecuted because one of the things that has brought uh, this big uh, vicious cycle on, 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 on violence is the impunity that attackers get away with it every mm -hmm. other day and then they become bolder. Previously, they just used to send away journalists. Now they beat them up. Sometimes they lock you up uh, and, and that becomes 
uh, a menace that even ordinary citizens begin to pick up. If you are a journalist and you appear where they are vandalizing property, then you become a target because they don't want to be uh, on record. Uh, Tony, I want to bring you back um, to, uh, this is probably actually my last question to you. Uh, what Henry has said there about models of reporting that involves more collaboration rather than, uh, you know, sending out journalists to um, to get exclusive stories. Is, is this something that uh, you think you, you can, you are on board with or would you rather uh, focus on, you know, a story that will make your journalist and also your platform look much better than the competition? Yeah, I, I think I agree with everything that uh, Maina has said. Uh, I mean, safety is everything to journalists and, and working together, I think, is the, the future of, 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 of groundbreaking journalism. If we want to do journalism that uh, do uh, shake things, then I think collaboration is everything. And, and it also at least guarantees safety to some extent. Including in uh, reporting? Uh, I, there, there are some level. Uh, of, 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 of areas that I think in, in, in some of the stories that uh, collaboration is everything. But in reporting, uh, in daily reporting, I think some of the items are not as risky as, say, in investigation reporting. So collaboration maybe, and not just internally, but even regionally, like in East Africa, maybe we can also see synergies because there are stories that are very hot maybe in Tanzania, but when uh, say if the the stories is is, is, is uh, appear first in Kenya, then the Tanzania media can take it as uh, as because it's something that is already there, and we have seen actually that in the uh, during the the death of the former president, here the silence was 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 frightening, but the Kenyan media was asking questions, so the Tanzania media were taking the Kenya media question that. This was reported in Kenya. So you see, in some cases, collaboration is everything. Yeah. Okay. And and what's your take, Carol? I mean, do you see uh, this as an approach that, that could work? I mean, I'm just thinking like, you know, storytelling is complex. Uh, I mean, I've done uh, exclusives as well. And I can imagine, you know, um, sometimes these things take, uh, you know, building up, uh, trust um, and winning confidence of the people you're speaking to, and it, might it not complicate? I mean, there's a there's a level of risk, obviously. At the end of the day, uh, you only know that it's an exclusive after you've managed to publish and you survived. But um, you know, how how do you see this working? What are the things that uh, you will likely consider before you enter into? such kind of a collaboration, whether, uh, you know, within the country or even regionally? I think, um, I, 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 sense, I understand the, the hesitation, uh, especially I think because I guess anyway, even across the world, um, sometimes the competition is really fierce. Or if you, for example, in our case, one of the, one of the uh, big media houses is a, is a government owned um, newspaper. So, you know, there'll be very many questions. How do we collaborate with them? How do we know that they, you know, they will not say no, they will not give up what we're doing. So those questions remain. Uh, but I think that there's, there's a possibility. Um, the, during the, the pandemic and the lockdown, 
in Uganda, uh, the COVID-19 pandemic and lockdown, there was a time we, we did uh, a joint story and also editorials on, uh, on, on, on the, the COVID uh, pandemic. We, I think we got together and this was about five, five to six really uh, big media houses that came together to, to put out a statement uh, about COVID-19. And I think that was, and it was the same, it was across the board, it was the same sort of information. And you could tell that, oh, this, there, there seems to have been some collaboration or some, uh, these media houses are working together. So I think there's certain things where you can agree, things like that, where you think it's for the good of the, where everyone agrees, this is for the good of the community, for the good of the country. Um, I think also if, if there are particular niches or areas that the media houses are very interested in, if you find that uh, certain media houses really put some effort in maybe climate change, or if they put, they're interested in, uh, you know, depending on what it is, you may find that there is a, that people want to do such kind of stories together. But exclusives is a very tricky, uh, you, you'd struggle if any news any newsroom, I think it would be difficult for uh, two newsrooms to agree and say this is an exclusive, let's work on it together and publish it um, on the same day or at the same time. Um, that would take a lot of trust, a lot of uh, trust building, uh, a lot of, you know, uh, maybe smaller stories done earlier before and running them together for you to sort of uh, be on the same page. Uh, so that's my take on that. We've looked at different aspects of uh, uh, of the of the media uh, this, you know, in the last three episodes, you know, the business models, uh, we've looked at the impact COVID uh, has had, we've looked at... Um, uh, you know the quality of uh, of journalism, uh, and you know what we've just been talking about. You know the threats uh, from uh, uh, from governments um, and the abuse sometimes journalists receive, uh, not just from governments uh, or politicians, but also just from uh, from the public. And I, I'm I'm just curious, just if you could briefly, um, uh, you know, just come up with a. Uh, you know, maybe a very pithy line just along the lines of, okay, what, what, what would be your advice to uh, a media manager listening to a conversation uh, today on all these aspects? What would be your advice to them to focus on, to try and pretty much especially uh, deal with the challenge of, uh, uh, you know, quality journalism, which is obviously sinking, how do they arrest that situation in ways that the, the uh, their newsroom can remain relevant uh, today and hopefully uh, in the future? Uh, Henry? I think the starting point is to begin accepting that um, the second day journalism is going to be what would um, differentiate journalists from any other storytellers uh, and, and, and or witnesses to events. So we need to take more time um, to tell the story by having better understanding of context and doing a good job at it. Um, whether uh, citizen journalists or bloggers or other uh, platforms break the story perhaps should not be our fear today. Uh, as, as media people, and that where we work together, um, finding mechanisms of collaborative work, whether it is in a mere uh, news story on security, which has been done before by smaller media houses in Burundi, for instance, they decided to run a story 
um, one day, I think 13 of them. And, and that meant that if somebody needed to close the media houses, they would close all of them or none. Uh, that is a show of boldness. Uh, but two, that as we also continue to think about quality, there is a place for training, whether it is formal or uh, informal within the media houses. We can't relegate it and just leave it to talent alone if people are going to trust us and we are going to try and improve on our quality. So we must uh, mash the talent and training so that we are, remain more professional. Uh, we push our qualities higher. And when our qualities are higher, audiences would appreciate and they would sustain us uh, by buying our products. So we wouldn't face the challenges that um, some of the products, even though they are good, but they lack uh, the financial wherewithal to survive. Uh, quality will sell. And, and I think uh, media houses elsewhere have shown that where you have quality, there's more subscription coming in and you can continue to improve on the products. Carol? My, my advice would be to just let the, the manager know, for example, um, work at being the source of news, not the alternative. Because um, I think a long time, quite some time back, who were the source of news now? I think a lot of the time we're the alternative. Many people go to social media and other places to find out what they think is, is the news and then they move on and just, you know, um, maybe come to the main media houses to just to confirm what they felt. But I, I think we need to start thinking about being the source of news uh, and not um, the alternative. And that, like Henry was saying, means getting back to quality journalism. It will take it uh, doing better stories, in-depth stories, and, and doing more than just the breaking news. That takes time. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't mean that if you do uh, some good quality stories three or four or five this, this month, suddenly things will change. It takes time for people to audiences to sort of realize that you're doing something different. It takes consistency, but I believe it, it pays in the end. Fantastic. Yeah. And Tony? Uh, on my end, I think it's uh, investment in the core business. And that is uh, specifically the people who do the work. Uh, every time we know a bigger media, when there is a cut, we cut the, the people, the journalists are the ones who are being uh, are facing the redundance. So maybe uh, there's a need of shifting the investment to, to these people who are doing the work because when they they receive what they are supposed to receive then they are, they become more passionate they learn but also to to invest in the training as what uh, maina said but also the research component and it is important to to have more investment on that thank you for listening this episode is part of a series looking at a new comprehensive research by the media innovation center at the Aga Khan university in nairobi in collaboration with the DW Academy, focusing on media viability in three East African countries, Kenya, Uganda, and Tanzania. I am Dickens Olewe.